Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to another Toonami pre-flight. You're not wearing your shirt. We had the graphic and then we're straight into the... Mm, oh, we're yeah. working on our brand. We're yeah, accelerating forgot. our... Forgot the shirt. Uh, all right. Well... I'm wearing a, a Tribe Cold Quest shirt. Hopefully we can still push through. Soldier on. Uh, today we are... I am pre-flight, Gil. I don't need the shirt. Okay. I am pre-flight. What? I'll see you later on then. You will. Let's... Talk about today's episode. Right? I thought you were going to take care of that now. Uh, I didn't say I was. You said I, I am pre-flight. Oh well, it's true. I am pre-flight. Well, we could just we could just end it there then. Cool. <laughs> Can we just loop this for sixty <clears throat> times? Today we're going to talk about voices of a different star. We're also going to talk about distant. You yeah, fell into see? the trap. I fell, I fell into the trap. Uh, voices of a distant star. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite space travel movies on that same theme. And then we've got sneak peeks of uh, Dragon Ball promo, uh, some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and then some other stuff that you'll find out about if you stick around. If we make it worth your while. Yeah, hopefully you will. So hopefully we will. First up, let's talk about Voices of a Distant Star, which is Makoto Shinkai's first... Uh, feature. It's only half an hour, but he did write, direct, storyboard, produce, animate. <laughs> he did yeah. everything essentially except all, scoring. And really. he did it all on his like desktop Mac. Yeah, uh, on a G4, on a G4 Mac, because this is from like 2002. Yeah. Um, so this is the first sort of project um, Makoto Shinkai did on his own after he was an animator who worked for a video game company and he worked on like in-game cinemas um, and learned animation uh, and in his spare time inspired by his relationship with his then girlfriend he created this story um, you know him now as the person who directed your name the most the biggest most highest successful. grossing, highest grossing yeah. anime film of all time to date. Um, we've also showed uh, one of his movies on Toonami, uh, and we have uh, reviewed uh, one of his films. Yeah, we showed Children Who Chase Lost Voices, yep. and we talked about um, Five Centimeters Per Second. Yeah, as one of the top 100 anime movies of all time. Did we talk? Which which we is, that, is that the one with the rain mm-hmm. and everyone? Yeah, I thought that was the title. I thought Five Centimeters Per Second was like a collection of short stories. But anyway, he um, he's been slowly building his um, style and his audience as the years have gone on, and you can really see a lot of elements of this film are definitely things that he still sort of has carried through all these years later um, and then you can see how far he's come if you compare this to your name there's a world of difference um, so uh, I think we have a clip from Voices of a Distant Star and I think it's the end because we couldn't find a promo for it um, so this is a, a, a scene and uh, we'll watch this and then we'll talk a little bit about the, the story Happy 24th birthday. 
from your 15-year-old me. The rest was only static. It's like a miracle to hear from her after all this time. I don't want you to feel bad about this. I have so many memories to think about. They're all I have now. You know what I miss? I miss things like summer clouds and cold rain with you. The sound of your hair. hair. Every moment we spend together. The street in the night. And the day in the rain. On a borrow. Time was so generous to us. And yet, time is still such a cruel thief. I just wish you wouldn't have stolen you. So five centimeters per second is a similar themes to this movie in that it's mm. a relationship born at an early age, but mm. unlike being separated by space and time, it's separated by geographical distances. And Garden of Words was the rainy day. Yeah, he has, he likes his long times. title. So I'm glad you yeah. went with a short one on your name. Hopefully, he's learned that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think financial success short proves the shorter the name, the more tickets are sold. Um, but yeah, so the dub is sort of known to be bad. So apologize for that. But the the subtitled version is good. Yeah, it's um, on um, Crunchyroll. Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. Uh, it's in SD, and I don't think it'll ever get upscaled. Yeah. But um, I mean, as you can see, for a all being done by one person it's a pretty crazy achievement um i think it's over 15 years old at this point and done in seven months at your house is pretty solid yeah and uh there's a lot of elements in there that have carried through shinkai's other films definitely the idea of people being separated by time or geographical location uh romance unrequited love um, and then, of course, his art style, his backgrounds are amazing, and he really loves like light. They're all about the quality of light. There's a lot of sunrise and sunset shots. Yeah, uh, it's in a, darkness with open doorways where sun is coming. Yeah, he loves light, and there's tons of amazing compositions and stuff. The character designs aren't super great, but that's not his strength. Um, and the story-wise, it's basically about a distant future in which the Earth is at war with an alien race. And for some reason, as always in Japan, they need 15-year-olds to pilot giant robots to fight these creatures. Yeah, the Tartians. Yeah. So the, the, the story focuses on two characters who knew each other in school, basically, and started having the beginnings of a romance. And the young lady gets sent into space um, to be a part of this 
you know, war basically. And she's going farther and farther out into space. And the movie is basically about their text messages to one another between, you know, the battles and stuff. And basically the farther away she gets, the longer her text messages take to get there. So that by the end, it's like eight years and four months before they're talking to each other. Um, and evidently they did a, a novelization, a light novelization. And then the light novel, the story ends with her still being 15 and he's like 25 and they are coming to the story ends with her kind of being trapped and blowing up the alien ships, but being kind of adrift on her own. Um, and the light novel basically has an ending where they are going to rescue. There's a rescue mission being planned for her ship and the dude hears about it and knows she's still alive. So he thinks, well, we're finally going to see each other again. So it's about their unrequited love and hanging on and pining for each other as they have to wait longer and longer periods between their messages because space travel means yeah, the messages the light take years longer and longer back. to get. Um, so it's kind of a depressing yeah, it's, idea. For being not even quite 25 minutes long, yeah. it's packed full of emotions and yeah. sadnesses usual shinkai stuff yeah weepy um you know there are some cliched stuff too but i think he was just sort of starting so you know considering he was doing literally everything <laughs> um and evidently it got dubbed by adv films and then the dub the guy who wrote the dub changed a lot of the references and stuff originally it was voiced by shinkai and his girlfriend and then when it got bought and they were going to put it out professionally, obviously they had actors do it. And then even the music is made by a friend of his that made music for the video games that he worked on, who has now done the music for several of his films. So um, it's interesting more to me as a document of the growth of an, a talented artist, like to see where he started you know what i mean it's kind of like watching uh, future boy conan and then watching a newer miyazaki just seeing the the growth yeah the themes that continue through and then the yeah learning along it's not like it's such an amazing thing on its own it's 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 interesting and well done but it's not a patch on his later work it's just interesting as a way as a mirror to reflect his later work i think it's probably it's yeah the most utility you would get out of it and you're not even investing a half hour so what's the big deal yeah (laughs) um so because of that and the idea of just how space travel how complicated space travel is we thought hey why don't we spin that into our subject uh for today's broadcast uh, which is what's your favorite space travel movie now to be clear, we know that these these are this is a blurry category because much like at this point all of our categories. Yeah, but we didn't mean we didn't necessarily mean any movie that takes place partially in outer space. We meant movies that are It's uh, about the journey, not the destination. That have a lot to do with actual space travel, like the idea of being in a ship traveling through a hostile environment for a long period of time. So while Star Wars takes place in space, it's definitely a fantasy and not in any way bearing anything to do with reality. So we didn't consider that as a space travel movie, even though they do travel through a version of space in that fantasy story. Plus, it's long ago, so it doesn't... It's long ago in a galaxy far, far away. So a future um, space travel movie, perhaps. So uh, first up for me is a recent movie that sort of... That basically tried to have the science be right and somewhat achieved it, according to astrophysicists anyway and that's uh, christopher nolan's interstellar which when it came out well it did well at the box office was somewhat critically mixed critical reaction because people were too dumb getting, to understand it. i think getting tired of christopher nolan and he was just coming off of the third batman movie that i think people were sort of not into and so he was just basically it was his turn for people to be like meh and he went out in interviews saying, I wanted to do my version of 2001, which when it's, you say, yeah. I wanted to do That's my version of one of the greatest movies of all time, you're going to get some shit, um, perhaps rightfully so. So uh, this movie stars the great Matty McConaughey uh, as a former 
test pilot who never got the chance to go to space. This is in a future like space cowboys. Future, this is in a future scenario where how did one of us not do space cowboys? This is in a future. I've already have one that's a borderline. Yeah. So having two borderline, I felt was. A <laughs> this is a future in which the Earth is dying out and crops are um, basically the only thing anyone can grow anymore is corn. Um, and everything's turned, and basically there's giant dust bowls everywhere because there's no one, you know, people are starving, there's water shortages. Uh, what will eventually actually happen to our Earth? Um, so basically, Michael Caine plays a scientist who decides to try to build a ship because they, we got a message from outer space and we're, we've somewhat deciphered it, but not really. We just know these coordinates. And so he gets a crew together to launch. A rocket into space with a you know that will basically find humanity a new home. So the whole the the idea is, let's go to this place. There are these worlds that we may be able to inhabit. Check them out and hopefully get back to us and not die. Yeah, and the basic plot of a thousand different. They had sent they had sent other crews there, but they haven't heard from them. So, um, but the movie itself deals with a ton of the actual astrophysical and metaphysical things that questions that come up during space travel but definitely the the idea of relativity the idea that you know time is different depending on where you are and so there are several parts of the film where they're on a planet and every like seven seconds is an hour (laughs) like so like just being on the planet for a couple of hours means they've gone like ye- years of their lives on earth are gone by. And, um, some of them have left behind loved ones. Matthew McConaughey's character left behind his, his daughter and his son because he wanted the chance to try to save the world and felt it was worth the sacrifice. But the whole plot basically revolves around her feeling like he abandoned her and him trying desperately to get this mission done and get back to earth before he misses out on her whole life because because of relativity every second he's out there um is longer than on earth than it is where he is so there's a lot of interesting science fiction ideas as well as the you know physics and all the other the harsh realities of space travel which is what makes space travel movies interesting to me is the idea that it's like being in a submarine but you know forever (laughs) like you know you're (laughs) The environment is completely airless and harsh, and it's just so challenging to try to live in that environment. I always find space movies fascinating when they deal with those sort of day-to-day realities like eating and going to the bathroom, like just the basic stuff. Yeah, air pooping in space is hard from uh, astronauts anyway. It is. No gravity. Oh, yeah, you would know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... um, this is a scene I'm going to show you that's a docking scene. So basically, um, uh, Matt Damon's character uh, has stolen a ship and tried to dock uh, with the with the the larger ship and crashed it. And so now Matthew McConaughey is trying to also dock with the ship, and he has to do a crazy maneuver where he is basically matching the rate of rotation of the of the space station. Um, so it's just another cool scene showing, dealing with some of the realities of the physics of that kind of thing and how fucking crazy hard it is. So let's check it out. Cooper, there's no point using her fuel to analyze the endurance of spin. This is no time for caution. 
Ace, if I black out, you take a stick. Stars, you ready to engage the docking mechanism? The turrets are starting to heat. 20 feet out. I need three degrees starboard, Cooper. 10 feet out. Cooper, we are lined up. Initiating spin. I have neither the mind nor the stomach for that maneuver. <laughs> yeah, it just looks it looks hard doing space maneuvers. Doing space math. Yeah, space maneuvers and space math. Um, so next up for me, if I've talked about this movie a bunch, so I'll spare you the, the too much preamble. But uh, I thought it made sense to talk about 2001 since Christopher Nolan himself referenced it, and it does remain for me the greatest outer space movie um, of all time. I think when you see the uh, Adult Swim Facebook picture, you're going to think twice about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, of course, this is Stanley Kubrick's 1969 classic. Still one of the gold standard films for realism in terms of how it depicts space travel, what might be required on a actual scientific level um, to do stuff like go to Jupiter. Um, so uh, this is a scene where... Basically, you see a char- the characters outside, and you see them die. And the way it's cut is really interesting. But they they use the idea of the void of space, like the fact that there's no sound in space, which most movies ignore because it's not super yeah, exciting goes- to watch total silence. You know, um, most movies either ignore it or they choose a very specific point at which to show it, like that, like a silent explosion. You know, so this is. 2001 was really the first movie to do that, to be like, no, space is a void. There would be no sound, so we're just going to have no sound. Um, So I just thought it was interesting to see one of the early scenes where they actually show you what it's like in space, which is a void. Where no one can hear you speak. Yeah, and you could die, and it would suck. So check this out.
Reggie Pod 3 VA, Hal. Made radio contact with him yet? The radio is still dead. Do you have a positive track on him? Yes, I have a good track. Do you know what happened? I'm sorry, Dave. I don't have enough information. Open the pod door, Hal. So yeah, um, would you come get me if Hal takes <laughs> me out into space? Uh, maybe. Okay. Fair. I probably would, unless it was like like unless there was something good on TV, yeah. or you just made a sandwich or something. Yeah, if my yeah, if my uh, Swanson TV dinner was about ready. I yeah. Um, Fair. But yeah, that is the classic scene in which Hal, the onboard computer, kills Frank Bowman, who is uh, one of the two astronauts on board the ship. Um, but yeah, just super creepy how they made it seem so horrible without any audio. Um, and then he just flings. Yeah, and he's just out flying. Um, and then finally, a movie that is that science is not perfect, but it is a lot about space travel, and I still think it's a hilarious and fun movie. And that is Paul Anderson's uh, Event Horizon, which when it came out, nice. <laughs> Which, when it came out, uh, was kind of uh, critically Panned. shit on. Yeah, but over the years has gotten sort of a cult classic reputation. Just I because. was totally ready to do this movie and didn't even look at your... Because you told me, but I didn't remember. And I was like, I have Event Horizon. And I was like, oh. Um, so the idea behind Event Horizon is they create a ship that can fold space. Um, so it can basically travel from point A to point B almost instantaneously. But when they fire up the drive two-fold space, they accidentally punch a hole into another dimension. And that dimension, unfortunately... Isn't super great. Is hell. So, you know... Whoopsie. You punch a hole into hell and you unleash demons into our world. Uh, you're, I guess it wasn't successful science. Depends or on your goal, I guess. Too successful. Yeah. So Sam Neill plays the scientist who punches the hole into hell and basically he then becomes sort of taken over by the demons and everyone on the ship starts being um, having hallucinations and sort of visions and then all hell literally breaks loose in the ship so this movie is known among the scientific community as uh, one of the uh, it, it, it has a scene that is somewhat controversial in which a character is shot through and is basically trapped outside in space and then brought inside and lives. And a whole bunch of certain armchair people say, oh, you could never survive in the void of space. Your blood would boil, like all the things that happen. And actual astronauts have watched this scene and said, no, he could have survived. It would suck. He'd be in deep shit. But, like, you could survive. Yeah. In truth, no one really um, knows. Because all we know is from the experiments we've done in, yeah. a, in a void, in a pressurized uh, atmosphere, and um, things that can happen to you can be fatal, but you can survive it, according to some scientists. So this scene is just noteworthy because it has this one um, argument in it that, I mean, it, it basically is the cause of an argument that people still go back and forth in because every outer space movie has some part where the guy has to get shot through the airlock or whatever, and everybody wants to argue about well, you never survive the void of space like that, you know. Um, and there's still we don't have a definitive answer to that question because we don't just throw people into space. I think we should to finally die. put this to rest. Yeah. Um, so this is that scene, and the character who is um, out in space is an actor called Jack Noseworthy. <laughs> Who was on the MTV original show Dead at 21, MTV's first original? I don't know what Jack Noseworthy does anymore, but I know that can't be his last name. Do you think it lives? Name. 
Jack Jack Noseworthy? Yeah, yeah, he's around. We'll look him up while we watch the clip. Okay. I won't go back there. I won't. No, baby bear. Come on, open the door. I don't think she can talk him down. You better. As long as the airlock is going to turn inside out. No. No, you stay with me. I've almost got it. I've almost got it. You stay with me, Justin. Come on, now open that door. If you could see the things I've seen, you wouldn't try to stop me. No, that's not you talking. That's not you talking. That's it. That's it. Right there. Open the door. Go for that button. Come on. Okay. Okay. Captain Justin just activated the door. It's on a 30 second delay. Justin! Stand by for the compression in 25 seconds. Where am I? Hey. Stark, get it fucking open! Hey, open the door. I can't. The inner door won't open when the outside door's been triggered. It would decompress the entire ship. Oh my god. Mama Bear, open the door. Come on, please. Captain! Patch me through to him. Captain Miller, tell them to open the door. They can't do that, Justin. I don't want to die in here. You're not going to die. I want you to listen to me very carefully, and I'm going to get you out of there. Oh, my God. It's starting. My eyes. Don't think about him. Shut him. Just shut him as tight as you can. Make yourself into a crouch position. Make yourself into a ball I, now. I, I, I can't breathe. Oh, oh God. Oh, my God. It, it hurts. Oh. I want you to huff oh and puff and blow all the air out of your lungs. You hear me? All the air out of your lungs, Justin. Oh. Do it now. Okay, baby bear. I got him. I got him. Stand by, people. Stand by. Man. He just rams him. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to save you. <laughs> uh, if they should have done it to where all the blood just hit, Lawrence, they should have right in the face. Oh, as he should have just been like, never mind, <laughs> gross, and just he pushed just him off. He just explodes in a meat bag. <laughs> I like that the character's name is Baby Bear. That <laughs> just cracks me up. Come on, baby bear. The whole t- every time I watch the movie, I'm like, who the fuck is baby? Oh, that little guy, Jack Noseworthy. They should have called him Nose Bear or something. Anyway, Event Horizon. You should check it out. It's a fun sure. movie. Nose Bear. Uh, Gil. I was just looking at our. Oh, that's that's uh, looks- that's the great Sam yeah. Neill post of post hell taking post over. Event Horizon. Post Event Horizon. Yeah. Uh, first for me is borderline but i'm still gonna do it anyway and that's 2013 alfonso Cuarón's gravity um, why, why do you say borderline because it's not i mean it takes place in space but i mean it's, it's all the, about space travel but it's like <laughs> the whole movie is about space travel it's it's about surviving space right <laughs> but it feels it's not what we'd originally like it's not a long journey to a distant place it's really she's trying to get shit home. happens and while in space. being thousands of miles away trying yeah. to get home i mean i don't know it seems pretty on, on the money to me okay despite neil degrasse tyson hating on it yeah but fuck him fuck him yeah uh although i did just recently see a clip of his family winning uh celebrity family feud and his nice. son was very excited because oh, he had 140 all right. not fuck him but fuck his opinion on gravity yeah uh the movie not the actual phenomenon <laughs> You're still a fan of gravity as a... No, no, I'm sure he has an opinion about actual gravity being an astrophysicist oh, that is more... That you're waiting to hear. Probably better than mine, you know, but as far as his opinion on this movie, I don't give a shit what his opinion is. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's yeah, fine. That's okay, go ahead. Uh, let's watch Sandra Bullock get... Uh, Shot in it's space. A, a perilous journey around the Earth through space. Explorer, this is Houston. Go ahead, Houston. Mission abort. Repeat. Mission abort. Explorer, this is Kowalski confirming visual contact with debris. Debris is from a BSE sat. Repeat. I have Dr. Stone requesting faster transport. We have to go. We have to go, go, go. Kennedy reports meteorological conditions. Go, go. Houston, Explorer, copy. Explorer, Dr. Stone requesting faster transport to Bay Area. Explorer, do you copy? Explorer, permission to retrieve Dr. Stone. Your go for Houston, Explorer, copy. All right. We've lost Houston. 
No, don't wait for us. That's a bummer. Yeah, it seems hard. Yeah. yeah. But I mean that that that's the the space stuff that this movie focuses on is just how fast when you're in space yeah. it looks like it's not moving but it's actually but flying really thousands ass. of miles an hour. And thanks to Elon Musk there's even more shit up. I know, thanks the, to Elon Musk there's going to be a stupid Tesla floating out in space waiting to smash into somebody who's trying to visit us. Good job. Yeah. But yeah, that movie's awesome. Yeah, I as soon as that movie was over, I was like, I want to watch that movie again. Yeah. And my wife was like, Finally, I can breathe. Like, we're just <laughs> an hour forty five. I'm just like, Oh shit! Uh, that's what they should just call it. Is oh shit? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, next for me is 20, 2007 Danny Boyle Sunshine, uh, which is in the future. The sun has is dying, is almost dead, and. Uh, there's been a bunch of plans to try to bring it back, but the one that they're trying now is to fly a giant spaceship there and basically shoot a bomb, nuclear bomb into the sun to reignite it and start a new star, which I guess makes sense science-wise. I mean, I you're going to make an yeah, explosion. I think there's a part of it that makes sense. And then this movie is like, um, from what I've read anyway, there's some stuff yeah. in here that's real science, and, and there's then stuff it's like in there some, that's like, like yeah, up to here, and then it's and like, then yeah, it's like and then eh, yeah, and it's a really good movie up until the last 15 minutes where it's like, yeah, not so great. It's they it's stick, a little dumb. They didn't but, stick the landing, but yeah, it's still but it's a cool good movie. Yeah. Uh, so this is the opening of the movie with Killian Murphy explaining uh, what's happening as he and his group of ragtag science people go to blow up the sun to bring it back to life. <laughs> Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction. Seven years ago, the Icarus Project sent a mission to restart the sun. But that mission was lost before it reached the star. Sixteen months ago, I, Robert Kappa, and a crew of seven left Earth frozen in a solar winter. Our payload, a stellar bomb with a mass equivalent to Manhattan Island. Our purpose, to create a star within a star. You're not supposed to just stare at the sun like that. No, I don't think you are. But that's where the fun is, I've heard. (laughs) Uh, Last for me is uh, the sequel to really the companion piece slash attempt at a sequel. Second part of the story. uh, Is Peter Himes... 
Peter Hyams. Hyams, nineteen eighty four, fresh off Outland, which I thought about doing, and oh, Star Chamber. Outland has Outland is known to have real junk science yeah. about decompression. The uh, but that's really more about a journey to a place <laughs> in space. So it felt a little bit off. This um, is right, this is before this is before Time Cop. But is it before? <laughs> yeah, I like Time Cop. Is it before Running Scared? Uh, it's really close. Full oh, sweet freedom. I think Running Scared. I think it's Outland. Star Chamber is this right is before two this. Old men talking about old I think movies. None of you have right heard of. This, um, these are Cinemax movies we grew up with. That you, yeah. you don't know nothing about, so don't worry about it. So, 2010 is the journey back oh. to Jupiter. He's got my head in his hand. Or he could be like looking at. You'd have to stand extra high. Just turn your head to the right, the other way, and then stand up a little bit more and angle down. Yeah, perfect. Uh, the journey back to Jupiter to find Discovery to see what happened. What was all the hubbub? Why? Hey, remember uh, that Discovery mission and they, those guys disappeared? There's a monolith that's appeared. Yep, and it's floating in space. Outside Jupiter, in addition to the other monoliths that mm-hmm. are around. Um, for some reason, we've lost contact with Discovery. Yeah. It's a little cold out in space. Yeah. And uh, in the interests of... And John Lithgow. And, yeah. And, and uh, Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban. And Roy Scheider, <laughs> a crack U.S. team to be paired with Yakov Shmirnov. Do you have a and, Yes, you can be on the team. And the uh, wife, Ivan Dragos. No, no, the commissioner's wife from Rocky Four. Do you have a doe face? You can and, be on the team. Yeah, so it's a U.S.-Soviet Union joint joint mission, which at the time was mind-boggling. And and uh, there's a constant threat of the, the yeah, there's, back home, the tensions are rising. In the Balkans, so, there's, yeah, there's uh, there might be nuclear war. Tension. So there's like the threat of nuclear war hovering over these this group of astronauts and they're that are just trying to solve scientists this problem. That are yeah, just, we're just, yeah. We're just trying to be pals. So yeah. they're flying all the way out to space after being hibernated to see what's happening. And uh, it's, I think it's going to be a piece of pie. Let's check out the trailer because when you look on YouTube for 2010, every movie that was made in 2010 comes up. And then the ending scene, which seemed like a Isn't bit it of a 2010, the year we made contact? Yeah, but that's still that, like, yeah. turns out nobody really gives a shit about this movie anymore except. Or ever did. For except me. Except for you, yeah. You uh, quote it a lot. So, yeah, let's check it out. How are you going to convince your people to allow Americans to go on the flight? We are going to get there first, and you have the knowledge to make the trip work. I'm going on the flight. How far away is Jupiter? Far. Mommy said you're going to be asleep for a long time. Are you going to die? Dr. Floyd. Dr. Floyd, Dr. Arlov has encountered some strange data coming from Europa. I will send Max down with a pod. I wouldn't do that. Oh, really? You want to send a pod down there, send an unmanned one. Hey, a piece of pie. Cake. Piece of cake. Cake, yes. If this data is correct, then there's something down there. It is correct. It was organic. There was life. Is it moving? Yes. It's incredible. Listen for a minute. We've got to get out of here. They can't do all of these things with no reason. I can't dis- Forget reason. There's no time to be reasonable. Can't find them! Are you sure you're making the right decision? I think we should stop. Something's going to happen. What? Something wonderful. See, 
they made the monolith the one. I mean, it's a, it's actually not a bad movie. It's just yeah, it's no. I mean, it's, it's literally a like hopeless task. What to, what makes two thousand one so great is that they don't explain. Yeah, stuff. that you don't it know. Feels anything. cosmic, like, and this is like this presupposes. What if, what if, what if we did? What if we explain everything? Why does hell malfunction? What is the point of the monolith? What is, I mean, like yeah. it's from a novel, which does explain yeah, all that. Which Arthur C. Clarke wrote, but it's. And it's from a director who's not Stanley Kubrick, but it's still yeah. actually not bad. But it's uh, the effects actually hold up pretty well. Considering yeah, they had to rebuild all the sets because yeah. they didn't have anything. Funny left. enough, the Discovery, the actual model of the Discovery, used to hang in TCM's office across the street for years and years. It's got to be over there still. I think it's a Turner Studios now. But they actually, it was the one that they shot with, one of the ones they shot with, and we used to walk. We used to be hanging above the stairs. We would walk up the stairs every day. But in his filmography. This is post Outland and Star Chamber, pre Running Scared and Presidio, and so, Time Cup. So it was this. So it was this movie that launched him into doing some more big budget commercial features, and then he fell on hard times and started working with Jean Claude and yeah. made the classic Time Cop. Time Cop, and then Sudden Death. Ah, oh, Sudden Death. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Peter Hyams. Um, well, that was an excellent. Oh, and enemies closer. Twenty thirteen. That was an, that was an ex- excellent choice. Uh, so those are some of our favorite movies that take place in space whilst traveling. Let's see what the uh, Adult Swim Facebook picks are. Interstellar, two thousand one. Event Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alien, also another good one. And Spaceballs. I think we kind of fell down on our balls a little at, at the end, but yeah. Uh, up until that point, good picks all. Sure. Nice work. Adults with Facebook. Four out of five, eighty percent. That'll get you let's a see what high the, school degree. Let's see what the Tsunami uh, Facebook has. Interstellar, Star Wars. We already talked about that. Alien, also Guardians of the Galaxy. I like we, how you retroactively hold things against the Facebook. Yeah, I'm going to hold it against. We didn't yeah. explain that. Uh, I don't time. care. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of explaining. Uh, in 2001, so some good choices there too. I think that that's pretty much. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is a superior film to 2001. So I think in terms of the order, it's probably <sighs> yeah. It's another fantasy. Those aren't space movies. Yeah. So good job. Uh, uh, up all next. right, job. No, I was talking about us. We did, <laughs> we did a good job, yeah. Um, up next, you were saying? Yeah, so you go ahead. sneak peek go time. Go for it, yeah. What's the sneak peek of? Uh, the first is for Dragon Ball Super episode 50. Nice. Round 50. Yeah. Episode L. Let's check it out. <laughs> On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. I can't begin to guess who or what you actually are. Trunks down there tells me you're strong. Why don't you show me? That would be an honor. So we're about to watch Goku versus Goku? Then I thought fish sausage was a treat. Dragon Ball Super, this Saturday at 10.30. Yes, you can hurt me as much as you want. The pain will only make me stronger. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. It's a tough fight. It looks like it's about you, to get real. Every time you fight, you make your opponent stronger. Oh, the only way to win is not to play. That explains a lot. Uh, and next is a extra super sneak peek. What? That first ever viewing here on Toonami Preflight. No one will have seen this up to this hmm. point. Uh, and that is a promo for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Chronicles Battle in Egypt. Nice. There's a lot of colons and parentheticals <laughs> there. This is the... Stink Peak. Battle in Egypt. Bizarre Adventure. Arc. Stars Crusaders. Of Battle in Egypt. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Star nice. So let's uh, check it out. Egypt. Ancient land of pyramids. Pharaohs. And now... Dio. Dio has rounded up nine more people. Nine more stand users. I can't wait to spill your guts. He'll do everything within his power to keep us out of Cairo. It won't be long before they're all eliminated. This can't be happening. We have to take out nine stand users in two weeks, huh? Man, that is one hell of a whirlwind tour. Get ready for the Battle in Egypt saga of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusaders, next Saturday at midnight. For every joy, there is a price to be paid. What the hell? Only Toonami on Adult Swim. It's letting That's the air out a little bit there. I was going to say, interesting uh, ending. That's, uh, so yeah, that you like was that? Johnny's. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. If you like Stardust Crusaders and you like Egypt and you want to see how the story finishes, yeah. I suggest tuning in. Yeah. Well, so, looks fun. 
And then we have another edition of Trash Can yeah. Jason. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Popcorn face. Moving pictures. Popcorn face. I like. I'll be. You can call me popcorn face. Okay. Unlike you, I don't really care what they call it. It's just me talking about a movie. And this week, I am talking about World of Tomorrow, episode two, "The Burden of Other People's Thoughts," which is the sequel to the 2016 short film "World of Tomorrow" by the great Don Hertzfeld. Uh, he created World of Tomorrow. Uh, to teach himself how to animate digitally because he kind of does everything himself. And it was such a success, he decided to return to the well and do a sequel. And shockingly, it's just as good as the first. So let's check out uh, what I had to say. Hey there, Toonami Faithful. This is another edition of Moving Pictures in which I, Jason DeMarco, review an animated film uh, chosen by you guys. So the movie I've decided to do for this edition is... Don Hertzfeld's World of Tomorrow, Episode 2, The Burden of Other People's Thoughts. It's quite a title. Which is the sequel to 2016's World of Tomorrow, which was nominated for Best Animated Film, Best Animated Short Film Oscar, uh, and Lost, which it should not have. But it did. So um, that was probably my favorite movie that year in 2016, to be honest. What kind of a show is it? It's like a show that people do this. World of Tomorrow basically concerned a young girl named Emily who is visited by a future clone of herself who tells her that the Earth will eventually explode and that in the future people are extending human life by making multiple clones of themselves and downloading their consciousness into these clones. The version of Emily that visits her is four or five lifetimes removed from the version of the young girl Emily that we see in World of Tomorrow. So Don Hertzfeld, who wrote, directed, animated, did the whole thing, his the character of Emily is played by his niece, so he would actually record her and then sort of write the story around weird things she said. Look, I draw a triangle. So when doing this sequel, he went back to her and she's now older. And so the things she says are a little more understandable and less generic uh, as she sort of has a, you know, more of a personality because she's older. And so it was more challenging to write a story around it. Hey, I found this in the box. So in World of Tomorrow episode two, what we have is Emily Prime, as she was called in World of Tomorrow, being visited by another future clone of herself. Hello, Emily. Basically, they've invented time travel, but it doesn't always work really well, so they're, they don't do it much. Hello, Emily. You may remember us from seven years ago. We are on holiday. We are memory tourists. So the Earth has exploded, and there are clones of people floating on bases within the galaxy around the Earth who haven't had the consciousness of their original downloaded to them. So they're incomplete clones. So an incomplete clone of Emily comes to visit Emily Prime and wants to do a neural sort of networking where she can clone Emily Prime's personality onto her own because she said, I'm just sitting here and I'm empty and I need to be filled with memories and what I know of my life hasn't been good. So you basically go then into her head so it gets really psychedelic. And from there, it's Emily Prime and this version of Emily, which is Emily Six, going through her head and you sort of find out more about what's happened in the world in the future after the earth explodes how there are still clones and how they cope with basically being woken up and being partially a clone of a person and partially not having the consciousness that they're sort of a vessel for so it's pretty heady sci-fi stuff it's the kind of thing i love the backgrounds are gorgeous. The difference between World of Tomorrow 1 and World of Tomorrow 2 is huge just in terms of World of Tomorrow 1 was how Don Hertzfeld, who had been an animator forever, taught himself how to do digital animation. And World of Tomorrow 2, you could tell that he's really gotten good at it. And the backgrounds are just incredible. Like, it just looks gorgeous. What could it be? That is a glimmer of hope. Put it back. I also really still love the performance of his niece and sort of how he incorporated her 
real life conversations and things that she was doing that he was recording into the story in a cool way. You made that picture all by yourself without any help with me. I mean, it's pretty much as good as the original. If you like the original, it's heartbreaking. It's good science fiction. He was sent into the unknowable. It's a little longer. This one's like 22 minutes, and the original was more like, I think, 12 minutes. So it's almost double the length, and it's a lot weirder and maybe a little harder to follow in terms of the story just because you're inside the mind of a half-made clone. So by design, it's it's psychedelic and kind of weird. But much like the first, it has some cool like life lessons in there and basically ends on a sweet note, even though it's a, what a depressing idea that in the, in the future, the world is going to explode and there will be these sad half-finished clones time traveling to try to solve problems that they have. Now you are further complicating my emotions. I love it. I think it's one of the most exciting things I've seen so far this year. Uh, and I hope that it's as well received as the first one is and then he continues to do more. Your mind is a lovely place, Emily Prime. Yeah! If you're interested in it, it's on Vimeo. You can rent it or buy it there. Um, also, he did a, Don Herzfeld did a Kickstarter for Volume 1 of World of Tomorrow. Uh, last year, and so there's a Blu-ray of that one out there floating around you can find, or just get them both on Vimeo. Uh, that's what I did. So um, that's my review of World of Tomorrow, Episode 2, The Burden of Other People's Thoughts. This has been another edition of Moving Pictures. If you want to suggest to me an animated film that you think I haven't seen that you'd like to see me review, hit me up at ClarkNova1, and I'll check it out. Thanks. It turns out I do not know how to play the piano. What did uh, did you watch? It yeah, yet? yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I uh, I liked it. Longer. You can only really get them on Vimeo, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's how he makes the choice. most money. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last one was eventually he did a Kickstarter and released it on Blu-ray along with some of his other collected works. So I wonder if he'll do a Kickstarter for this one. Um, but you should check it out. It's amazing. Um, and then finally, we have a couple adult swim singles to talk about. So on Monday. We released a new song from the great Code Orange, formerly known as Code Orange Kids, a hardcore band. Uh, they were nominated for a Grammy for Best uh, Metal Album last year. They did not win. They lost to Mastodon, I believe, but that's okay. Um, so this is a new song from them. We premiered it on Monday, and it's called Only One Way. So let's check out a sample of that. favorite comments um someone sent them on twitter was there's like a there's like a soft part of the song but it's still a hardcore metal song and one person was like don't go don't go getting soft on the guys like it's like <laughs> god damn people are the worst um that's true whoever you are a uh, random person you were the worst uh and then on wednesday we released a new song from uh the artist dawn who we have worked with a bunch over the years she's done a couple of dulcim singles she's done some animations with us we love dawn um so we're really happy we could get a new song from her so this is a let's have a let's hear a sample of her new song waves So that was tracks 42 and 43, and you can get those and all the other 41 songs that are available at adultswim.com slash singles and come back every week where we'll be releasing a minimum of one song a week um, for your ears. So thanks. I think that's it. It is it. I, mean, I, I believe so. Else, yeah. no, I think We're going to travel away. Okay. Yeah. See ya. Tsunami every Saturday night from 10:30 p.m. to 4 a.m. 